1: Folks, we have the honor, privilege, and pleasure of being joined tonight by self-proclaimed pro wrestler, entertainer, and speaker. He's also the host of his own podcast called Nothing to Prove. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and show your love for legit badass. The one, the only, Mr. Dom Vitale. Dom. John,
3: thanks, guys. That was uh, That's the way to put someone over. Right.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That is, that is what here, Christopher yeah. Platt does.
2: Right. There's a reason... <laughs> There's a reason why, when people listen to this back, that that Platt records the the, the chair shot Don commercials. That's there's a reason why we why we did that. So he yeah.
1: obviously knows what he's doing. <laughs> Brother, yeah. I'm I'm the AJ Styles of chair, chair shot man. Not only am I immensely talented, I'm also good at putting everybody else over as well. <laughs> there you go.
4: <laughs> we call him the, we call him the MVP. He is the MVP.
2: He's got two. Names. You also call him Mr. Velvet Pipes for the same reason. So that's right. It all works out. The, but, uh, the initials, you know, the
4: initials line up. MVP, Mister Velvet Pipes.
2: Nice.
4: Nice. Uh, so, Dom, how you doing, brother?
3: I am doing good. Life is good. Uh, it's very seldom that I complain about living and, and waking up every day. So I'm, I'm, I'm living.
2: It, it's funny that you would ask Dom that question because we're going to get into that and why Dom would say that, and we'll, we'll get there. But Dom, I, I want you know, and, and full disclosure, which I'm a big believer in. I've known Dom for 10-plus years, and, and so in doing an interview with Dom, for me, is completely different because I have an affinity for Dom that, you know, I, I wouldn't even be able to put into words knowing what I know and, and I've spent the time in the conversations and everything, but Dom and his views on wrestling are just fantastic, and we'll get there, but I want people to understand, like, because if they haven't heard of you, like, like you're going on, you know, you're you're way closer to 20 years than 10 years or 15 years in this business like take people back like what like when you became a wrestler like what was that like for you going through training that way 20 years ago or almost 20 years ago
3: yeah so i my training started in december of 2001 so i was six months removed from my high school graduation um but i had been trying to get into training for months at that point um i used to go to the local independent shows and I kind of figured out well you know there's wrestling schools and i got to figure out where it is and who's in charge and how to get there um so you know for months i tried to beat down the doors and and, you know in a different way trying to befriend some of the the indie guys that i knew or not knew but knew kind of where they worked so i actually um i went out of my way to get a job where one of the indie guys worked so i could befriend him to try to coax him into letting me go to the wrestling school with them and kind of get private information out of him. Um, You know, and that's kind of what happened. You know, we developed a friendship and he just kind of kept giving me the brush off. I kept asking him to take me to the wrestling school. Let me try it. I mean, I love it. I I just want to be a part of it. And and he kept saying, nah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Until eventually, you know, I I think he just couldn't take the constant, you know, uh, annoyance of me for too much longer. (laughs) And he agreed to to bring me down to school to have a look. Um, and, you know, long story short, you know, you know, it got the shit kicked out of me. I'm sorry. I don't know if I could, I could swear on here. Oh, fuck um, yeah. But all right, good. <laughs> fuck it, man. You? Fuck shit. <laughs> but, uh, But got the shit kicked out of me for a good, I don't know, six weeks or so. And just kept coming back, coming back, being like the tackling dummy for the most part. And then eventually they're like, OK, well, we'll teach you stuff now. And I had thought I was learning stuff up until that point, but they were just kind of testing me to some degree to see if I'd actually stick around before they really gave me the good stuff.
4: So, so it kind of sounds like wrestling was pretty much your, your plan all along. I mean, did, did you have any other plans, like in high school or anything, like anything else you were gonna do, or was it just you were ready, or how about on being a wrestler?
3: Um, you know, there was, if there was one thing I knew that I wanted to do in life, it was wrestling to some capacity. Uh, Honestly, I didn't think I would ever make it, you know, like big or whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, when I graduated high school, I was 140, 145 pounds, um, skin and bones. And I never I never even stepped foot inside of a gym, um, you know, for the first 18 years of my life. So I knew like. You know, the odds were against me because I grew up in that era when you know, you, you know it was uh, all giants pretty much. And then towards the end there, like my, my high school years, that's when we started seeing the cruiserweights really come to, to you know, the public light where everyone could see them. And I thought maybe that was going to be my niche, the cruiserweight stuff, because I was so small. Um, but I was always generally like a pretty smart kid, um, very logically thinking for the most part. And I knew okay. Well, the odds are against me. I got to have some type of backup plan. Um, so, you know, it took me a couple of years to figure that out. And I ended up going to college and stuff like that while I was wrestling um, just to have a contingency plan. Um, but from day one, I, I just knew, you know, I, I just wanted to be involved in wrestling to some capacity.
1: So growing up in upstate New York, I'm assuming you were a WWE guy or F at the time. Is that correct?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was my earliest um you know, earliest recollection recollection of wrestling, watching it with my dad and my uncle. Um, my my dad was a Macho Man guy, and I was a Hulk Hogan guy, um, and nice. that was my, my hero growing up. And WWF is all I knew. You know, I would hear like the name Ric Flair around, and I would hear who Sting was and Dusty Rhodes, but I really didn't know who they were until you know Dusty and Flair came to WWF. But I knew they, their name held some kind of weight. I just didn't know what it was. Because um, I just solely seeked out WWF. That was my life until so, you know you reached 13, 14 years old, and I re- discovered this thing called ECW, which completely consumed me in a whole different you know manner. Being a little bit older now and, and you know discovering this completely different style um, of, of pro wrestling, which I absolutely fell in love with. Um, and those were those were my two big things. But as I got more consumed with wrestling in the Attitude Era, I started, you know, trying to to study more of the history of wrestling and what I wasn't exposed to. So, you know, things like you know WCW, the NWA, uh, Mexico, Japan wrestling, you know, World Class, AWA, all that stuff. I was a student from the very, very like the the internet came out at a very good time for me. And I was the, I was probably one of the original internet marks, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, to truth be told, I I don't know if you guys remember this. You know, late '90s, uh, they had wrestling hotlines. You know, eight hundred numbers you oh, call sure. to get your your gossip. I fucking ran one of those things with my friends. I was a super mark, you know. And <laughs> um, but in order to be that, you got to study the game, and that's what I did. Like the internet was a great thing for me. Um, and it exposed me to, to so much different wrestling that I never even watched before.
1: That's funny you say that, man. I used to love those things, but unfortunately, I was never able to get my parents' permission to call <laughs> in. <so. laughs> 30, yeah,
3: mine was all under the radar, you know?
4: <laughs> 30 yeah, cents a minute. Or <laughs> yeah. A local number. That's.
2: Awesome. So you talked about, you know, studying and you not too long ago, um, and, and I wanted to get in the fact that you do some training later, but it's, it's appropriate now you, you put out on social media about a student not knowing who Ricky Morton was and, mm-hmm. and, and just talk about like the importance of knowing what all this came from and, and how it impacts you as a performer when you're actually in the ring.
3: Yeah, you know, that was a real eye-opening experience for me to to come to this realization that uh, you know the kids that are coming in now are so much more different than they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, when I broke in, it was, you know, it was hammered into my head, you know, you need to study these guys that are out in that, but you also need to study these guys from the past, because without the past, we, you know, we're not here. Um, and just to hear that, You know, these a lot of it's not just one kid, it's a lot of these newer students just have no idea who some of the most important uh, figures in our sport are from the past. Um, You know, and there's this argument where where people are like, oh, you can't blame them because there's so much history that they have to study up on. But to me, I don't get that because if I'm coming into it to, to wrestling or baseball or football or whatever. I'm going to do everything within my power to know as much about that as I possibly can. So when I do show up, I don't seem like a fucking buffoon. Um, And it's not just knowing the history and the lineage of of where we come from. You know, I was talking with someone the other day and it's so strange to me that, you know, I'll, I'll run the class and I'll get new students coming in and they look like complete shit and i don't mean that in a disparaging way it just literally looks like they they just walked off the street and they're like oh pro wrestling that seems so cool i want to do that and i think i'll just try to do that but where if you have someone that's you know trying to make an nfl team or an nba team you know there's a lot of back work that gets put into that before they show up to camp or try out or whatever and it's not the same with wrestling it's just I think the barriers of entry to wrestling are so diminished these days that just anyone thinks that they can come in with with zero zero sensibility, zero knowledge of what they're doing, um, which to me just just blows me away. And we, we actually we had a girl, a new student in the class last night. It was her second night there, and I, and I asked her, and I asked all the new students, but particularly the girls, because I don't I just don't know why girls want to do this, you know, get beat up. And I asked her. I so said, "What are you doing here?" And she goes, "I." She goes, I just, I loved wrestling ever since I saw it. And it was, I, I was sheltered from it for all of my life. And I didn't see my first wrestling match until three months ago. And I said, so what, what's your earliest memory of wrestling? And she goes, Survivor Series, this past year. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. And, and that, <laughs> yeah, that blew my mind. I, and, I'm not, and again, nothing against her. It's great that she found something that you know strikes an interest in her. But that just floored me that people... You know, oh, wrestling, cool. It's on TV. Total Divas. I want to go do that. Where again, if we rewind the clock, man, it just wasn't that easy back in the day. You really had to earn your way into this business, and and show those guys and those girls that came before you that sacrificed so much. Why you even deserve to get, uh, you know, in the ring with them, or or let alone get the privilege to be trained
4: by them. Well, and it's a sport, just like everything else. You know, I mean, you talk about you know back in the day okay some of those guys like way back when you know who basically a lot of these sports were just a half of a job for them for like a summer and nowadays the all these athletes they train year round it's it's you have to have the discipline and and that and wrestling is just like any other sport just like basketball just like football you have to train your ass off it's not just you go in there and fall down a few times there's it's it's a huge sport
1: yeah. And I,
3: and I think that's misconstrued or misunderstood by a lot of the fans these days that are not, not, all, not necessarily the fans. I shouldn't say that. But a lot of the people that want to enter wrestling, you know, they just see the glitz and the glamour and the fun that everyone's having or so they think, um, you know, but they don't get that, you know, the toll that it takes on your body when you start. They don't get the preparation you can put your body through. To make sure that you don't kill somebody or kill yourself because that's a that's an inherent risk that a lot of people don't really think about but anytime you go out there whether it's in training or in a match there is a chance you can seriously hurt yourself or someone else and part of being able to protect others and yourself from that is being in, in the best physical shape you can possibly be so when i see you know, a 450-pound guy out of shape to telling me how he's going to come to the wrestling school and, and, and you know and uh, you know show me how it's done. I welcome them with open arms and I and I take them through a workout. And it's not one of those you know uh, old WCW power plant workouts where they're trying to murder somebody. It's a basic workout that all of us have to be able to do. And to see them completely struggle through it, you know, mo- more times than not, it's an eye-opening experience for them where they where they don't come back. Um, You know, in in my class, I have, you know, my return attendance for newcomers isn't the best. Um, But I just I don't want anyone to have the shortcut. I want people to be fully aware of what they're getting into. and I want to set up any false expectations.
1: It's funny, Dom, because I'm fascinated by the whole training process in in becoming a professional wrestler, because the way I always envisioned it is you're basically just sitting up there getting your ass beat until your body calluses up and then you learn how to take an ass beating, and, and then eventually you learn some moves. So if you could a little bit, man, and you can tie this into your school as well, talk a little bit about the, the training process itself.
3: Um. So right now, I only train uh, one night a week. The, the, the school runs four nights a week, but I'm only there teaching one night a week. Um, and you know, it's kind of funny how it came up is that one night I just went to the school uh, to, to work on some stuff for myself, and I show up to the school, and there's a smattering of kids there, there's no structure, there's no one teaching the class. And we, there's new students that are showing up that are showing interest in joining and you know, there's, it looks like shit and there's no one there. And that reflects on me because I'm a part of that company. So I took it upon myself to offer to, to, to teach the class on Thursdays to try to, to try to generate some more structure and get some more buy-in from, from not just the new students but the guys that have been around for a while that still need a lot of fine tuning. Um, so that's what we've been doing, you know. We, I, I pretty much, I, I preach the basics, and, and I, because I'm a, a wholeheartedly believe that without the basics, you have nothing. Because um, you know, I want the guys and girls that come to our school to strive to want to make it to WWE right, and get that try or get that look or whatever. And Kate, you know, the fact of the matter is, if you're going to get that opportunity, to get looked at by WWE, they don't give a shit about your flip or your 450 or any that bullshit. What they look for is your fundamentals and are you teachable if you don't have fundamentals and you can't be taught they have no they don't have any use for you so i harp on the basics i harp on the the, the fundamentals the things that maybe a lot of people kind of glance over um and it, and it is like you were saying like like uh like callus over it's more so muscle memory you know we work on things like basic roles uh, and people think, oh, you're just doing roles to make yourself dizzy. No, you, a, a basic role is a is a major part of pretty much everything we do in wrestling, and it's about controlling your body, being able to protect yourself, being able to protect your opponent to some degree, and, and you know, and go out there and make what you're doing actually look somewhat legitimate. Um, and, and the more you know, fine tune your basics are whether it's running the ropes or lockups or tackles or whatever you know, takedowns. That the more that stuff looks on the up and up, the more credibility you have as a wrestler. So that's just kind of what I try to preach to the to the students. And you know, it, it's hard when we have new new kids mixed in there with some of the more tenured ones. I try to split my time as evenly as possible, um, and just trying to, to also help you know the guys that have been around a little bit longer to kind of develop their character more and do some promo work on them and fine tune you know their repertoire.
4: Well that kind of flows back so, to what you were saying before a little bit too. You know, talking about. Having the guys, having everybody be in shape when they get there and everything, because that's that's like wrestling shape. You know, you learn the basics to get your form and get everything down, and you know, again, so you don't hurt not only yourself but you don't hurt somebody else who's also working with you.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's very overlooked, like the the, the physical fitness aspect of of wrestling. You know, you can't learn to be a wrestler in the gym but going to the gym can make can possibly make you a better wrestler Um, again you want to have control of your own body you want to be able to 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 be strong enough to to protect your opponent um and these things go hand in hand and, and a lot of people don't take that stuff serious and they come in to the wrestling school like i said having never done any type of exercise in their life and they learn really really quick that this is a lot harder than they think
2: yeah, and if people are listening and they're like, okay, this is the kind of guy I want to learn from, go, go online. If you're in the state of Arizona, you can look for the Arizona Wrestling Federation Academy, and, and Dom teaches on Thursdays, and he'll be more than happy to make sure this is the right decision for you. But but Dom, you know, he, he does this thing in the ring, and, and you're, you, obviously, your character right now in the ring, and it's, it's more of a persona, and it's it's not necessarily that far off from who you are, but that of, of, of a bully in the ring and... and, and you know not taking you know taking no prisoners and that sort of attitude like how did you get there from because you weren't always that you weren't even that when I first met you in the ring how did you get to that point
3: yeah you know it just it's i listened i listened to to so many guys that that had so much more experience than me and did so much more than me and the one thing that they they really hammered home to me was you know you got to be yourself to some degree you know cuz that's what's going to get you over is being yourself I mean, and and this analogy that I'm sure you guys have heard a zillion times over and Steve Austin uses it a lot is, you know, the guys that get over the most are the guys that are that are basically themselves with the volume turned up to 10 or 100 or whatever. And that that's the case for me. I decided, you know, a few years back that I just wasn't going to fucking care anymore, to be quite honest with you. Um, I wasn't going to care about what the expectation was of me in wrestling. I was going to kind of let it fly. And be me with the volume turned up. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now is, is you know, the way I go out there and wrestle, the, what I say in my promos, that's 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 me. That's what I believe. And I think that's what is able to to really, you know, stick with the viewer and, and the fan is that when they hear me talk or when they see me wrestle there, they they realize that they're not being worked. That's 100 percent. Shoot, that's that's me. What they see is what they get. And just like, you know, when I wrestle, my job is to to make them question what they're seeing in that ring, you know, because there's guys and girls out there now that, that go and do their match. And it's completely hokey and it looks phony and it looks choreographed and it looks, you know, way too organized. And and when someone comes and watches my matches, they, you know, more times than not, they look and they're like, you know, I know the rest of the stuff on that show was bullshit, but I'm pretty sure that damn guy's a prick or he hates that dude that he was fighting or whatever. And you just never know with me. And I like to keep people guessing, and I just like <laughs> to speak from the heart. And to me, that's what works best.
1: Dom, that's good advice for not just professional wrestlers, but anybody that wants to be in the public sphere. You, you, At the end of the day, you have to be yourself, man, because eventually that's going to resonate with people, man, and you'll connect with them on a deeper level. And that'll make people that, – that, that's what gets you over.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's played a huge part in my, my personal life, actually, because for, for years and years, um, you know, I struggled with with trying to please other people. And this is not even wrestling-related. This is just regular life-related. I was, you know, always trying to put on this this uh, persona or this facade of someone I wasn't, again, trying to be a people-pleaser, um, and I got sober about 10 years ago, and I came to this realization, like, in uh, a huge part of it was I had to stop giving a fuck what other people thought of me. And once I did that, it, along with a few other things, my life started to change for the better, like almost instantaneously. So you, you hit the nail right on the head. It does not just apply to wrestling. This is for everything.
2: Couldn't there's agree more, brother. <clears throat> there's something about you that I want people to know, and, and they can get more of this on your podcast, but it, it, you never know who's listening to a podcast, especially as, as the million and a half distribution channels we have for our shows. and and just if if i would be remiss if someone were to listen to this and not have something that could potentially lead them in a direction that can help them you struggled with with and and you know as you put it yourself you never fully get away from it with alcoholism i don't want to go down a rabbit hole for for two hours and i know you could but (laughs) if if someone out there has the struggle and no one else can tell them like just just share that perspective of what that meant to your life how you get out of it just briefly because we'll tell them where they can get more of it and, and what it is and how it is always going to be part of who you are.
3: Yeah. You know, it's something that kind of just snuck up on me and it, and it caught me by surprise. I never thought I was going to be an alcoholic. You know, no one ever thinks they're going to do that. Um, but things just kind of caught up with me after a while. And I, and I, you know, I could see the bottom coming. A lot of people hit rock bottom first and then they want to make a change. A lot of people can also see the bottom coming and say, Oh shit, you know what? I got to pump the brakes and figure something out. And thankfully for me, that was the case. Like I, I, things were bad, but things were getting much, much worse way quicker. And I was able to, to you know, realize it and say, you know what, I, this is getting out of hand. I don't have the answers. I can't get better on my own. I gotta seek out help from someone else. I gotta find someone that has what I want, and then go right at them and say, help me. And you gotta, you gotta humble yourself, and that's hard, especially for a drug addict or an alcoholic to to humble yourself and say, I'm fucked up. Please help me. I'm broken. Um, but I knew from, from anyone that had what I wanted, they did the same thing. Um, and those were the steps I had to take. And it was a very hard and tedious and involved and personal process. Um, and it, it, like I said, not easy in, in any way, shape or form. Um, but I came out to, uh, for the better on, on, on the opposite end. And here I am 10 years later, living the best possible life I could live. And, like I said a couple weeks ago, every year since then has been significantly better than the last. And it's because of what I learned when I decided to say, fuck this, I'm taking my life back.
2: And, and PMA, is, and that's a big part of it, and I'm not going to define it because I want you to, is, is a huge part of what you just said and a huge part of your life. And it's something that I've always shared in before I even knew that about you. Um, but, but talk about that attitude because, it, you know, we, we live in a world of social media and that's just not the norm. Honestly,
3: no, it's not. We live in a negative society today, man, you know, and, and I, 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 it's it's funny because I actually find that the more we, we, we stray away from the norm in society, the better off we are. <laughs> like, I think that's the yeah. case for wrestling, too. You know, everyone wants to be the same person in wrestling these days. Be different. and You'll stand out. And it's the same way with uh, with, with your attitude, your, your mental attitude, positive mental attitude, PMA. That's something I discovered. Uh, from a band called H2O, early on in my sobriety, and this this lead singer just you know he looked like you know covered in tattoos and screaming into a microphone, and I'm like this guy's talking about being positive, get the fuck out of here, you know. But then I I took the <laughs> initiative to actually listen to what he was saying, and it just made complete sense to me, you know. And nobody's perfect. You're not going to have you know 100% good day the entire day every day of your life we're human beings and and, you know things happen and we get down um but for me it's just a reminder to myself that you know things could always be worse things have been worse and just try to remind myself every day like be thankful for what i have be grateful for what i have um and try to put that positive spin on everything have that that more positive outlook as best as i can and Again, I it's trial and error. I've noticed that when I adapted or adopted that way of thinking, you know, things got better for me. But the trick is you have to sustain it over time. You can't just do it for a week and, and you know, have a great week. and be like, all right, cool. Back to being a fucking dickhead all the time. You know, <laughs> you got to be able to, it's got to be a part of your life consistently. You always got to check yourself because, you know, I find myself getting, you know, negative and shit like that. I'm a human being, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, but I, ha- I have to be able to check myself, you know, and say, hey, you know, you're getting off the rails here. You know, there's a I think there's a difference between complaining and being negative. Um, and it's a fine line. And, and I have to you know, check myself at times and, and say, OK, what are you doing right now? Are you going down this this deep, dark path? that's going to suck you down even more. Or are you just, you know, sending out a funny tweet just to complain about something just to get a rise out of people just for fun? You know, there's a big difference in there.
1: Dom, you, you hit on something really big right there, brother. Number one, I, I resent one of your comments because I am a fucking dickhead. So, you know, go, go fuck yourself <laughs> on that end. I think
3: We're good. Fair enough.
1: But seriously, though, man, you hit on something really deep there, man. The more integrated we tend to become in society, uh, the less we get away from the source and, and the less we get away from ourselves, man. And we tend to become more and more miserable. So I, I want you to go deeper on that point right there.
3: Yeah, you know, it it, it is. We do get more miserable when we're we're trying to put on, um, you know, an act, so to speak. And one of the biggest things that I've learned in life, uh, especially the past 10 years, is, uh, you know, misery loves company. You know, and there's a lot of miserable people out there, a lot of negative people. And that's a feeling and an emotion that people have. And that doesn't feel good for them. And it's it's essentially it isolates them. It makes them feel lonely. So the last thing they want to do is feel that negativity, feel that despair by themselves. So what they'll do is they'll try to bring you down with them. They'll try to bring you to their level. So you're bitching and moaning about the same shit that they are. So now they don't feel as lonely. Now they feel justified in that feeling. Um, whereas I don't fucking keep those people company. You know, I, have, I have friends. I have close family that... That think that way. And
1: you, I think you also I, I, have a dead body you're trying to remove from your residence, it sounds like. <laughs> That's, the, <I> <laughs> <think> <laughs> That's Greg throwing
4: a dead That's body in the, the trunk.
1: Though.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, but I'm not afraid to, to cut ties with people like that. and I, And a lot of people are. I don't give a fuck if it's my mom, who I love with all of my heart. I don't give a fuck if it's my best friend or my worst enemy. If you have this negative mentality and, and your, your your aura is kind of rubbing off on me and I notice that, I'll fucking I'll get my distance from you. And I've done it before to people I love. And one of two things happens. They don't accept me for who I am anymore. Oh, well, you're lost, not mine. Or they come to the realization where they're like, Ah, you know what? You're fucking right. And I don't want to be that way. Help me out. How do I get out of this funk? And I'm glad to help anyone like that.
2: Yeah, it's so important that, that you gotta be able to. Self awareness is such a big thing, and so few people seem to have it sometimes. And I think they do have it, but it kind of sends them into a denial pattern as well, uh, oftentimes. But it, it's it's you know it, your perspective changes. Like I'm trusted with raising two children, you know, and I don't do it alone. I have a wife, and we do all that. But teaching them like you gotta be positive. But it's funny because I'm you know my son's 11, and he's older, and he's getting to that point right now where I gotta tell him like sometimes. You know, I don't use these words, but but sometimes I do when his mom's not around. Sometimes you got to be a dick. And sometimes you have to be that guy because no one else will be that guy. And and it just that that's what it takes. And and it's, you know, that's kind of the perspective that people have to have on life and I'll be honest with you, being involved in professional wrestling actually brought the dickish side out of me more often than than, you know, I wanted to, but I really needed it to. Um, Dom actually once I'll, I'll share this story. Dom actually once told me I might be the nicest person he's ever met and might be too nice for my own good. So, <laughs> yeah,
3: that, that seems to be the case. A lot of times there's people that are too nice to be in wrestling, <laughs> to be quite yeah. honest with you. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, and you're right, be a it's,
3: it's kind of like that tough love thing that everyone talks about. And, you know, maybe our society is, is lacking that these days where, you know everyone's trying to be someone they're not everyone's putting on the, this this false face with the with social media and trying to be someone they're not and portray this life that they don't necessarily have and there's not enough people out there calling people out and telling them you know hey this is what you're doing wrong this is what you're you know this is what you, you know, there's too much ass kissing going on cool. and not enough you know realistic um you know realization i should say um and i've been labeled a dick and i've been labeled a bully especially in wrestling because I don't give a shit. I will tell someone, you know, what they're doing wrong or what they're doing why it looks stupid and or I, but I'll also at the same time put over what they're doing that's good. And but the the that part of it always gets, you know, whitewashed. No one ever pays attention to that stuff when I give them compliments. It's when I when I, you know, cut through whatever they're doing and try to to help or offer a suggestion it's it's dom's being a dick dom's being a bully (laughs) he doesn't give a fuck this that and the other thing when that's completely the opposite because i absolutely love professional wrestling i'm just not in love with it anymore because of you know the way it's it's turned over recent years but of course when i leave wrestling which is going to be soon i want it to be left in the best possible hands that it can be and if i have something to offer if i have some suggestions to give i'm going to give those and i'm not going to pull any punches but you know, guys and, and girls in wrestling are a little bit too sensitive these days, and, and they take it the wrong way, and then they they try to drag my name through the mud, which never works for them. Um, my my pedigree speaks for itself. You know, uh, who, who who respects me in, in the wrestling business? You know, the list is a mile long of guys that have been to WrestleMania and have been at the very top, and their list is non-existent. So i don't take any you know, i just i laugh it off i i take it in stride when they call me a bully i start using the fucking hashtag bully and get myself over even more
1: <laughs> now we're not going to let you just breeze past that one brother let, let's uh, double back here for a quick second <laughs> what is it that uh made you fall out of love with the wrestling business is yes. it is it the wrestling itself or is it more about the business it was about the people I think it's and everything. just a
3: little bit of everything because you you know you you come into wrestling in a certain time and you fall in love with it and it becomes what you know, um, and as time has progressed, it's gotten so far away from from what I was taught to love and what I grew up loving, and now it looks like something completely different where I don't even recognize it anymore. So you know that, that's tough. Let's say you know you're a, you're in the military and you leave your wife. For a year and a half to go back go to battle and you, you come back home and she looks completely different. She acts completely different to you, to your kids, and whatever. And it's like, this is the person that I once loved. You know, and that's kind of where I where I fall now. Um I, I just oh I just feel like professional wrestling could be so much more than it actually is today. And that's saying a lot because it's it's popular today. But I I just I, I feel like we're really missing the boat on an opportunity to to take it to the next level, to to provide a living for so many more guys um, at the expense of trying to be popular online. I think that's what it comes down to, and, and people really losing focus about you know what started this whole professional wrestling thing in the first place and what actually worked, like what actually made people. Give a shit about two guys fighting each other just as much as they do about a UFC fight today. Um, that's what we're missing. We were, you know, UFC couldn't even fucking sniff wrestling's jockstrap in 1996, 1997. Uh, now, like, you know, we're begging for that kind of viewership, um, and it's fine it's it's not by accident.
4: If you could like, if you could pick like, let's say two things, because I, I think we've kind of grown up at the same eras of wrestling. Because we're, I think you're a couple years younger than we are. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're from kind of the same eras as we grew up. What, like, you know, there's stuff that's missing that they don't do back in the day. Is there like, let's say like two things, like if you could change about what's going on right now that you would like to see being done? Uh, yeah. First would be
3: realism. Wrestling is not, is not, um, the realism of wrestling isn't focused on any longer. Everyone knows that, you know, what wrestling is. Um, the curtain's been pulled back. Everyone's had a peek behind it, but we don't need to bring the fans even further behind the curtain. And that's part of our problem. You know, the fans are no longer able to get emotionally invested in anything. They're mostly anything that anyone's doing because the guys are on Facebook thanking each other for the match immediately after it's over. whereas 15 minutes before that, they're talking about how they're going to beat the shit out of each other. You're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, if you look at history, you know, the, the the biggest booms in wrestling were times when people actually thought that to some degree that what they were watching was on the up and up. You know, when it first started, you know, the, the early history of wrestling, um, you know, it wasn't exposed to what it is. So no one knew. Everyone just thought it was guys grappling and, and trying to fight each other. Then you had your territory days where, where the, the heels were fighting their way out of buildings, you know, try, almost getting stabbed and shot at because the fans Really thought that they were beating up their their beloved baby face and you have the the you know the 80s Where you know hulkamania is running wild and every little kid loved hulk hogan and believed in hulk hogan 150% with all their might and made their mother and father spend money on that hulk rules fucking shirt. And then you have the the attitude era where everybody could relate to steve austin because everyone hated their fucking boss and wanted to beat the shit out of them, and you really, even though you knew wrestling was what it was, you thought maybe fucking Steve Austin really hated that motherfucker, or yo, you know what? Maybe, WWF is maybe a little fa- a little fake, but that ECW stuff, man, I'm pretty sure that stuff's real. You know, there's always been that sense of what if, and we don't have that anymore today. It's 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 just it's theatrics now. It's theater. It's not really wrestling anymore. It's performance art. Everyone wants to use that art term all around. Um, so I think I think one is uh, realism, you know, the long-winded answer to your first qu- your question, and then part two I think um, just being more more picky about who we let in wrestling. Um, right now, any asshole can show up to a wrestling school, and as long as they're paying their dues consistently, the school's going to keep them coming back. Whereas that wasn't the case before. You know, it was it was urged. Back in the day, make people earn it. You know, not anyone can do what we do. We were a fraternity. Now you can buy a wrestling ring and call yourself a wrestler. Um, you know, now you, you can't tell the, the kid at the wrestling school that has zero athletic ability whatsoever that, hey, you know what, kid, this probably isn't for you because you're afraid he's going to take his, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month away from you and then that's going to put a dent in your pocket. That's the wrong mentality to have. We, we got to get wrestlers back in wrestling. We, you know, I always say, you're going to stand out more if you, we, you know, or we got away from this this era where, you know, nowadays people you know will ask, you know, an indie wrestler, hey, what do you do for a living? And they'll say, Well, oh, I'm an indie or I'm a professional wrestler. And they say, really? You? You know, whereas in the <laughs> 80s, when a pro wrestler gets asked that question, I'm a pro wrestler. They're like, well, you're goddamn right. You are. Look at you. Um, and I'm not saying everyone needs to be a powerhouse or, you know, a, a bodybuilder or a weightlifter um But make yourself special. Be stand out. Don't be just. Everyone looks like a goddamn paper boy these days. And, and again, everyone looking the same. And it's just a bunch of skinny little kids doing flips and acrobatics and trapeze moves and shit like that. That mean nothing. And you know, I got a very interesting um philosophy on wh- how those people are going to end up in a couple of years. You know, relating it to the the wrestlers that had a drug problem back in the day. But I don't know if you guys want to hear that. So. <laughs>
1: So basically, everybody that's wrestling right now is going to end up like Dynamite Kid. That's what I hear you saying.
3: Yeah, to some degree. I really think that, man, because you you think about the 70s and 80s. Everyone was doing all kinds of drugs in wrestling, right? And we didn't really see the effects of that until the late 90s, early 2000s. And today, everyone everyone was dying young. But that was the norm back then. And nowadays, these guys are doing all these, these moves and maneuvers and killing themselves. Like, you know, injuries are abundant. And these guys think they're Superman. And let's re- you know, fast forward the clock. 15 years from now, a lot of these guys are going to be in some really fucking bad shape. And I've been wrestling for 17 years. And I haven't done nearly the amount of fucking death-defying shit that these guys do these days. And I feel like shit a lot of days today. And if I feel like this, I didn't do any, any of that shit they're doing, they're in for a lot of fucking trouble down the line.
1: That's an interesting point you bring up, man. And I, I think that crosses over to not just professional wrestling, but other sports in general, you be it football, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever, you name it, man. There just seems to be, and, and maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment, but it seems to be that there's just more and more injuries nowadays than there used to be back in the day. Well,
3: you're absolutely right, and and think about it. You know, athletes today are bigger, faster, and stronger. Whether that's with with the assistance of performance enhancing drugs or not, it, it doesn't matter. You know, technology is advanced. Um, you know, uh, methods of physical fitness have advanced. You know, equipment has advanced. So yeah, with all of our athletes, whether like you said, wrestling, hockey, football, bigger, faster, stronger. you get you're getting hit harder. Um, you're taking more trauma to your body. Um, and you, you know, now we live in this this world where it's, you know, tr- train wrecks are so fun to w- to look at. But now you can see a train wreck instantaneously on your phone, and everyone wants to do those those things to stand out. And and especially in wrestling, we're in this uh, this viral era where guys are purposely trying to go viral, and they're doing it completely wrong. Like if you take a look at Joey Ryan, I I, I think Joey Ryan is a a very interesting case here. He went to Japan, did this spot with his dick that got super overt on accident, and he's made mad money off of it, and I fucking commend him for that. Good for him. Now you got a bunch of fucking jabronis out there that are trying to, to, to kind of chief off of that a little bit and are purposely trying to do the same type of stuff, and it's not the same because it's not being done organically. And you know they might get 500 views or 1,000 views on a week, and then everyone forgets about it whereas Joey did it the right way it just happened and he monetized it and he continues to monetize it whereas everyone else now is trying to to do that one thing that's going to make them stand out and, that, and that's it's not just in wrestling it's anything people are, are, are interested in this type of things when it happens naturally not when it's forced
4: well and, and like you said you know it's, it's you know you're trying to stand out you don't have to do some crazy ass bump some stupid flips and and all that stuff you you can't tell me that right now you couldn't go out there with an Austin three sixteen promo and have that go viral and go over because that was just such a badass moment. Off the cuff, I'm, I guarantee you, just a good ass promo like that could get over in the wrestling business.
3: It really can, and, and everyone is so concerned about moves, and moves get the initial reaction. They don't get that emotional, that emotional investment that's going to make someone give a shit about what you do next or what you do next show. And I'll give you. I'll just give you an example. And I'm not trying to, like, put myself over at all here. but uh, we That's just what we're here show. for. Put
4: yourself over, brother.
1: <laughs>
3: no, we I do it a- every week,
1: bro. Don't worry <laughs> about it, man. Do you.
3: <laughs> uh, but right now uh, I'm involved in a situation at the, at the Arizona Wrestling Federation, you know, with me and my tag team partner. And I don't do a single flip. I don't do anything. I punch people. Like, that's my high spots. I punch people. I don't <laughs> fucking dive. You know, I do. A, I'll do a top rope elbow drop once in a while. I don't do it every match, but I can talk. That's my strong suit. I can talk, and I'm in decent shape. And my tag team partner is bigger than me. He's a six foot four, three hundred and fifteen pound monster, which you don't see in wrestling anymore, especially in, in independent wrestling. And we stand out, and people give a shit, and people want to see what we're going to do next. And we don't do a single fucking flip. It's because we're we're psychologically, you know, reeling them in, um, and they don't even realize that, which is even better.
4: Well, and that's the way you, you gotta know, do. It. You're investing. You have people invest in what you're doing and what you're talking about, and have actually care about the character. That's that's something that's huge.
3: And it makes it, it makes my job so much easier. You know, where I don't. It's so much less trauma on my body, um, and it's not. You know, people are like, oh, you're just working lazy. I'm still working hard, but I'm working smart as well. You know, if, if people say that, thing, think oh, work smarter, not harder. I don't believe in that. I believe you work hard and you work smart.
4: Well, and think, you work both. Think of a guy like the Miz, you know, he's like the best. Ta- he's yeah. the best talker in the business right now. He doesn't do it. And Once in a while, he'll go up to the top rope and drop, an, uh, you know, a double axe handle. Otherwise, he's, you know, you just you, he gets out there and talks and you hate him and you want to see him get his ass kicked. He doesn't do anything crazy in the ring.
3: Yeah, and he does. He does his job. His job is to be the bad guy and be hated. And people get so upset and they say, "Oh, the Miz sucks, man," and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And, and I laugh when I see that stuff because they, the, the, some of the fans don't even realize that they're falling for it. And they, they, when I see stuff like that, that reassures <laughs> me that wrestling can go back to the way it was. Like everyone's like, "Oh, kayfabe is dead," and I completely, wholeheartedly agree. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. That's what a lazy fucking wrestler says. Because it's super easy to go out there and try to jerk the fans off and be friends with them and and be their buddy and get them to fucking like you on Facebook and and share your shit and and all that. That's the easy part. The hard part is to go out there and fucking work and do your job and still have them give a shit, whether it's love you or hate you. And very, very few people can do that today.
1: So, oh, go ahead, Greg.
2: No, go ahead. Go. Go. You're
1: good. Dom, uh, Dom, I want you to to grab your crystal ball for a second, man, and put it on your clairvoyant cap and let us know where do you see the future of the business, of professional wrestling going?
4: Ah,
3: man, that's that's tough because it's and it's it's unfortunate, too, because there are so many talented and athletic and intelligent guys and girls out there that have that that are young and are hungry and could do so much with wrestling and make so much money. And they just continue to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, if if, if I, I don't think wrestling is gonna die, I don't think that's even that's even a possibility. I think it'll be around forever. Um, but I, I think if we look ahead 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're gonna see kind of a split, I think. Um, where you know if you wanna see a professional wrestling show that's going to be in a completely different venue or avenue than a performance art wrestling show. So you know there, there's there's people running shows now without a wrestling ring, which to me is completely <laughs> fucking stupid. Like how do you have a wrestling show without a wrestling ring? You're you're running no, you're doing a play with guys dressed like wrestlers. That you're having a play.
1: Hear uh, ye, hear ye. You know? <laughs> I shall smite thee. Put them up. Put them up. <laughs> so,
3: I don't know. I just, I just think there will be a separation at, at some point, point um, and, and it all won't just be you know, lumped in. Because I think if it stays lumped in, the casual fan is going to continue to not give a shit about what we're doing because it's going to be too hokey and phony for them, and they don't care about that. They can just go watch movies for that.
1: Thank you, by Get the, the, the way, uh, because you, you have now put that out into the universe. So now the next high spot we're going to see on the internet is literally a guy shooting himself in the foot.
3: Well, these days, that's all. That's how you beat a guy. They kick out of everything else. So who cares?
2: (laughs) You gotta, gotta shoot him with a gun. Oh goodness! So you host, and 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 Platt brought this up in the beginning when he introduced you. But you do host the nothing to prove. You don't just host. It's your show. You do everything for the nothing to prove podcast. I mean, it's you, and it's the listeners. And this isn't like hey, promote your podcast because it's 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 an important show in my mind. And I think shows are important for different reasons, but it's trying to leave something behind for people to learn from and understand. So I don't want you to, I'm not saying plug the show. We'll do that later. Mm -hmm. But what is it? Tell people if they haven't listened, what is it? Why is it so important? Yeah. You know, I,
3: it's just, it's, we need it. I feel like we need it in our society today. It's just, it's just a reminder for us to, to, to do good and be good people. And so a couple of years ago, I, you know, I started thinking ahead. I started thinking, you know, I'm not going to be able to wrestle forever. You know, my body will give away at some point. So what can I do to use the no- whatever notoriety that I have in wrestling and-, and transition that into another field? And I could always talk like talking again was, like, is always my strong suit. Um, so I said, well, why not a podcast? And I decided to start a podcast because I had a lot of stuff to say. And at first it started as, you know, I would just talk about whatever, whether it was wrestling or sports or current events or whatever the case may be. And it's evolved over the past, like, two and a half years and especially over the last year and a couple months where it really took a turn. And I wanted it to get the focus off of pro wrestling because, you know, obviously, you know, pro wrestling is a niche, you know, and certain not everyone is into that kind of stuff. Um, but I felt that I had uh, – you know, a voice that can reach many, you know, more people than just wrestling fans. So I switched, I switched what we talk about on the show and and every week I'll talk about what's in the news, but I also, the the main points I make on the show are ways for everyone to, to, to live a better life. So we talk a lot about depression and anxiety and addiction and, you know, whatever, whatever is afflicting people out there these days, just self-esteem, you know, developing social skills, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we just talk about real life stuff and how to overcome that. And I just try to give people a little bit of inspiration every week. Uh, We have some fun talking about what's going on in the news, but then we break it down to more realistic stuff at the end and and, kind of give give the listener some pointers. You know, what can I do this week to, to live the best life possible? You know, what can I do over the next month to make sure I don't fall into a depression? Or if I do fall into a depression, you know, what can I do to try to dig myself out of it? Um, so it's become much more than just wrestling. It, it, it's 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 a life podcast where we're trying to help people, um, and, and we need you know people need help more than ever today because like we were talking about earlier, we live in a very negative society today, um, and there's not enough good out there. There's a lot of bad and there's a lot of negativity, and I just try to bring some good and some positivity to the world and and you know lay it on the plate for everyone to say here it is, you guys use it. It'll work. It's up to you to use it
1: though. Dom, Dom, <coughs> excuse me, Dom, Dom. <laughs> bro, okay, bro. You you can't say, well, I don't really want to put myself over, and, and then say that your podcast is here to enrich humanity, bro. Like you said, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> bro, Come on, you man. Said,
3: you said that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, but that's the thing, man. You never know how far one voice can go, man, and it travels. You know, and I, and that's the way it's been on this show. You know i i started with a very small audience and word of mouth is a motherfucker man Mm -hmm. and it just spreads and i just had i've had so many people reach out to me and tell me how the show has immensely changed their life or saved their life and that's to me that means so much more than anything wrestling has ever given me and i love wrestling to death i really do um but i'm talking we're talking about you know human lives here man and that it is completely worthwhile to me so it, may, it makes it worth it doing that show every Monday like I said even when you know I'm like dragging my ass and, and having to do, you know record and I'm like oh I don't know what I'm talking about today oh, I'm so tired but that's what picks me up that's what tells you know it's got to be done because there's someone out there that's that's waiting to hear what you have to say and it could be a lifesaver
4: yeah I would think just I mean just reaching one person it's probably just amazing to, to have that feeling, you know, that you're that you're helping out humanity like that. That's inspiring. Yeah.
3: One do the feel this? It is crazy. You hear that a lot too. Like, oh, I just want to help one person, and you think, oh, just one person. But then when you do, it's like holy shit! Like that really, like what I said, right. what came out of my mouth, changed someone's life completely. Where from where they went from feeling like a downright piece of shit to feeling. N- never feeling better about themselves, in, or in quite some time, like that's powerful stuff, man. You know, I, that sh- that sh- proves to me or shows me that, you know, I have an influence on a lot of people, and I got to do it, use it for the right reason.
2: So you talk about, you know, I can talk. You you know you can talk, and talking is something you've always been good at. And and you know, life after wrestling, you've had to start thinking about that. There's a company gaining a lot of prominence right now, PCW Ultra, and you are a prominent figure in that company. And you don't wrestle there anymore. So share with the people, A, the company, and B, what you're doing and how it sort of maybe changed how you're you're looking at wrestling, looking at your career, all of that.
3: Yeah, so uh, I've been with PCW Ultra since day one, um, and I had a really good run uh, as, a, as a tag team wrestler there. We were the first tag team champions in, in PCW, which it was a huge honor uh, uh, to be bestowed upon us. Um, and I'm not necessarily done wrestling for pcw just right now i'm not doing that um but i have an on-air role um where i am the director of communications so i'm kind of like the um the voice between the office and the fans so i'll address the fans at every show i'll do some some uh segments on you know commentary some in-ring um i'll do some like i interviewed Stephen bonner stefan bonner is that his name the, the ufc guy. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about ufc but he's a cool dude I met him last show, and I interviewed him during the intermission that we had there. Um, so, not, and I, it's, I like it because I get a chance to talk to the fans out there at, um, at the shows. I'm like, kind of like an ambassador. I, I go out there on my own time, and I, I talk to the fans. I see what they like, what they don't like. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's funny because wrestling fans are so different all over, and I, I absolutely love the PCW Ultra fans. I think they're the best fans out there and I think without you know, putting us over too hard, I really think that PCW Ultra is the best independent wrestling promotion in the country. I don't think there's anyone that's a close second um, and there's a lot of different moving factors that are involved in that um, but I like talking to the PCW fans out there um, you know, you know. Who knows? One day, you know, we'll we'll get back in the ring. But right now, I really like that role. I'm doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. Um, I'm working closely with uh, you know with Joe Kibibo there and Kevin Sullivan. Uh, I'm works uh, work very close with Kevin producing a lot of the promos for the for the events, um, which is something I take a, a, a huge interest in because it's my passion of you know, being able to talk and and actually help. Um, guide some of the talent there and kind of get them over and get their characters over and get them the confidence to speak. Um, You know, getting that responsibility is huge for me. And I got some other backstage responsibilities that I do, I'm responsible for too. Um, But I've never, I never wrestled for a company um, quite like PCW ultra professional on every single level. Um, Just a hardworking staff, both in ring and outside of the ring. And I, I just don't have enough good things to say about them.
2: And it's well deserved, and and I'm glad that you know. Hopefully, it'll turn somebody on to that product, which they can see. If you have Amazon Prime, you can see PCW Ultra to search for it and and enjoy. And it's a very good product, and and I say that from from all sincerity. And I'm excited that that you're there and you've got the role and everything that you're doing. It's um, you know, I we used to do this on my show back in the day, and you even did this once before on my show a couple of years ago, um, mm-hmm. where where we talk about somebody else and and put somebody else over and. For me, you know, a guy that we both know and a guy that I believe should be on television at this point or be trending towards being on television. And I want you to talk to the people and maybe help them discover a guy they've never heard of. And you probably already know who it is. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and that, that's your boy, Hammer. Tell the people about Alexander Hammerstone and maybe why they should know him if they don't.
3: Alexander Hammerstone. Hashtag YBH. The hashtag is optional, but it shouldn't be. Your boy, Hammer. <laughs> Hammerstone um is based out of out of the Arizona area and he is the first guy in a long time from this area to really make a name for himself outside the local scene. Um and it's not by accident. Um I've never met a more dedicated and hardworking or intense individual, I don't think, in my entire in my entire travels in wrestling over seventeen plus years. Um I've done. I've been on shows with Alex. I've wrestled Alex. I've been to the gym with him, and everything he does is on a at a level of one to ten. He's at a twelve on everything he does, and that's why he's as good as the way as good as he is. That's as that's why he looks as good as he does. He's a when I say student of the game. He is one of those guys. He's the guy that will go back and look. And discover guys that, that we tell him, "Hey, have you ever watched any of this guy's stuff?" And he said, you will say yes, and we'll give him some more stuff." Or he says no, and he goes out and he he seeks out who that person is, and and he looks it up and he studies them. He asks for advice. He never settles for anything. He, he he's he's an anomaly, and and he's gonna get to where he needs to be. I have no doubt in my mind because of his work ethic. And what what's astonishing to me is that. The way he looks, the way he wrestles, the where he's getting booked all over the place. You have these local kids have this guy that they could pick his brain and ask for advice, and so few of them do it, and they're missing out on a huge opportunity. Um, and, and, and Alex, above all, um, Alex is a good dude. He's a good guy, um, and, and you know, personal quality like that goes a long way. And I, I mean, he's going to reach the top no matter what. I know that for a fact.
2: Good, and hopefully, some people hear that and check him out. Google and and look for him and discover a new talent they can follow which I think is so important as an independent wrestling fan And I wanted to wait till Platt was back for this type of conversation because I know it's a big part of his life too going back to your show you Music plays a large part in the show and I also know that music plays a large part in your life and and so so just to kind of give something to the people Right now, what would you be listening to to lift the spirits to get you going maybe before you go to the gym? Like what's out there? That people should pump into their ears to also pump themselves up spiritually.
1: Hold on, uh, Dom. No, no disrespect, brother, but just real quick. Greg, you really going to bury me like that? I mean, I know, goddamn, I know you're the boss and everything, but shit, I can't go take a piss real quick. They wouldn't have known I was gone had you not said so. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Jesus.
2: I never said you took a piss. I never said that. You I, I stress the importance left. of you being here for it, man. The a transparent podcast. Uh, transparent
4: podcast.
1: Transparent right. podcast.
2: <laughs> full, full transparency. <laughs> Remember, I'm so white, I'm almost <laughs> transparent. Full transparency.
1: Uh, <laughs> Clearly, because that was mighty white of you, man. The me on the live <laughs> there, So, yeah, too but, um, but, Dom, please, man, the floor is yours, bro.
3: Yeah, uh, so it's obvious that Platt has good taste in music. He's got his Wu-Tang hoodie on there. So,
1: Ain't props for no that. Good,
3: Always throw the W up, uh, you know. Uh, you, any Wu Tang album you're gonna do, you're gonna be right with. Um, I'll always be. Uh, I'll always have a special place in my heart for Enter the Thirty Six Chambers because that's the first time I ever heard them. Was back in the day. Um, their newest one actually is really good, so you guys should check that out.
1: It um, really is, man. I was surprised because a Better Tomorrow, like it, it, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah like yeah. The, the chemistry wasn't there. It was just mm-hmm. off.
3: Yeah, this new one is fantastic. You definitely got to check it out. It's it's the best one they put out in quite some time.
1: Yes. Um, but I,
3: I, as far as hip-hop music goes, I love hip-hop music, but I love old hip-hop music. I don't, I'm don't. i not a big fan of the new stuff. I don't really know enough about it. There's a couple of good guys out there that are newer, but I'm not going to put them over because I don't know enough about them. But I'm more of the old school, uh, you know, A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. Oh, uh, oh my you
1: know. God. I, I think I just found my man crush, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs>
3: <laughs> one of my favorites, favorites of all time, who's very underrated and, and uh, left as far too soon was Big L, who... Uh,
1: oh, my God. Was, yeah, his oh his delivery
3: yes. was, was out of this world. Um, and that's what I grew up. I grew up on on old school hip hop, you know. Um, that was my thing. And I, and I slowly, as I got older, I started, you know, expanding my horizons and I got into punk music and Rancid is, is one of my favorite uh, bands that always lifts me up, Social Distortion. Um, which one of their, their self titled album was one of the ones that really helped me get through my early sobriety. Um, and you know, what else, um, you know, before I go to the gym, like, you know, I'll put on some body count or, uh, you know, Metallica, you know, old Metallica. And I'm kind of, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan at heart, you know, and I'm not going to lie. If I'm in the gym, I'll put a wrestling fucking playlist on and wreck house with that (laughs) shit. and i still think the greatest song ever to work out to is triple h is the game by motorhead
1: oh my, no oh my god oh my god man my my girl god bless her man she goes to the gym and literally she'll she'll throw on she'll throw on the DX song and she'll throw on triple h uh, triple h the game by motorhead and get it in yeah. at the gym yeah <laughs> yeah and
3: my, and the, the main uh, if you really want to get your spirits up just listen to the the album actually called nothing to prove uh, by the band H Two O, that'll pick you up, and that—that's what I actually named the, the podcast after. Was was that album because it, it meant so much to me, and uh, you know, Toby Morris, the lead singer of H Two O, um, he—he's—he's the epitome of of what human humankind should be. Um, just a, a very very kind and and generous and compassionate man, and uh, you wouldn't know that just by looking at him. His, entire, his whole fucking body's covered in tattoos. Um, but he's, he's the real deal. He's a, he's a genuinely nice human being. And I've had a chance to chop it up with him a couple times and, um, yeah, just support him and H2O for sure. And,
1: so I have two questions for you, man. Number one, um, as far as you said, you're into the punk scene and I, I like the punk scene myself because it has the same energy as hip hop, at least initially. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a band called death?
3: You know, I just got put on the death a couple years ago. After okay. That, that, uh, that, the the that documentary. documentary.
1: Yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, Yeah,
3: very, very good. The the original punk band. Yes.
1: Yeah, for those of you that aren't familiar, Death is the are these three brothers, and I mean that in every sense of the word, from Detroit. And they they were making punk music before there was a such thing as punk music. Because you know, everybody tries to uh, claim that the Sex Pistols are the original punk band. And and shout out to them, man. I love Sid Vicious and all that. But yeah, this group was actually about you know three or four years. They started making music three or four years before the Sex Pistols came out. And there's a really good documentary about them on Netflix. So you guys should go check that out
3: yeah absolutely um uh, it, it it's kind of relates to the wrestling thing like know your know your roots you know know yeah. your
1: history yeah
3: um yeah 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 definitely check out a band called death
1: for sure and, and number two man you brought up the Wu-Tang man who's your favorite member
3: you know fuck it, it, I don't know if it's the cliche answer but for me it's method man I it, I think okay. for some reason people sleep on him and I don't know if it's because he's in in movies and more, more mainstream. But that motherfucker is a lyrical fucking savage. If you really listen to his stuff, and actually, he just had a really good interview that he did with Michael Rapaport um, on the I Am Rapaport podcast that I highly recommend any Wu Tang fan listen to. Um, and he really breaks down the history of, of him and the group. Um, and obviously, every member of the group is is talented. Um, but he and he not only is he great, you know, as far as his his, uh, his lyricism and how he rhymes, but I've seen incarnate, different incarnations of the Wu-Tang Clan in concert about 12 times. <laughs> and uh, whenever <laughs> he's on stage, he, he has this, per, this charisma and this stage presence like I've never seen before in hip-hop. So Method Man is indeed the man.
1: I apologize, man, but you brought up seeing Wu in concert, man. Can I tell a quick story about me smoking weed with the Wu-Tang? No, boy. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, this was uh, 2000. I was home from college, and and my boy Frank Nitty and I – shout out to Frank Nitty, man. I know you're not listening, but I still love you, bro. So we're – I'm originally from Cleveland, so we're downtown Cleveland. Wu-Tang showed up to the show. Uh, it was their show. Uh, first and foremost, they were literally like three hours late. So you know there but I I guess that's just a concerts, that's how that goes.
3: That's their thing. That's what they do.
1: (laughs) Old Dirty didn't wouldn't be wasn't there because they said he missed his flight. I I don't know how true that is, (laughs) but he wasn't there. But (laughs) R.I.P. to to Dirt McGurk. So we get there, man. We're in the front row, man. We're hanging out, and all of a sudden Rizzard shouts out, Hey, does anybody got any weed? Of course we got weed on us, right? (laughs) So my man Frank goes in his bag and, and pulls out his weed. And he hands it to RZA on stage. So RZA, they're all on stage, they're performing and everything. And RZA's rolling his blunt, and this and that. And then they go ahead, they light it, they take a couple puffs, they pass it around to all you know nine members that was there because Capadonna was there as well. And and then they bring it out to the crowd. And I I shit you not, RZA literally took the joint or took the blunt rather and put it straight into my hands so I can say (laughs) that I had a cipher with the Wu Tang Clan. Uh.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that's, similar,
3: that's similar to to one of my stories in that uh, this is, like back in my 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 back in the day day. This is probably like two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and we were at a show. It was you, God, and Master Killer were, were performing, and everyone in the whole building was smoking weed, so we we figured that we could too, so we did. But we got caught. We got kicked out of the venue. <laughs> and, uh, I had to beg and plead the, the, to the bouncer. I said I didn't I didn't understand. I thought it was okay since everyone else was. And he let us back in for the show. I was like, we won't do it again. He let us back in, and years later, I I started bouncing at a bar. And I thought back to that situation, and I was like, if any of these motherfuckers tried pulling that with me here, I would drop them on the fucking head.
2: It would not
3: happen. I feel like I really lucked out that evening.
2: (laughs) Uh, So before we go, you you speak to a lot of people, and and you're you're afforded that opportunity to do some, some speaking engagements at times. Um, and, and I just want to keep it brief and almost keep it, you know, mysterious. If, if you just, you know, a couple sentences, if you wanted to impart something on somebody and they left the room and and that's what they remembered about what you told them, what would it be?
3: Wow. Really put me on the spot here, Greg. Tell (laughs) you,
2: I know you can handle it. I know you can handle (laughs) it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, my parting words, you know, you know, to anybody are, I would just say, prove me wrong. I, I, I've been using that a lot lately because everyone has, uh, you know, uh, excuses. Or everyone thinks they're they're as good as, or, you know, as good as the next. And I always say, you know, I do this better than you. I do that better than you. And I want you to prove me wrong because I don't think I'm the best at everything I do. Absolutely not. Um, but I want people to be able to, to, to work harder. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, you know, don't live up to their fullest potential and they, they shortchange themselves. And I want to challenge people to actually um, go out there and and push their limits and see what they're actually what they're actually made of and what they have inside of themselves and when you push that limit or push past it it opens up a whole new world for you because you never you've never even you know gotten into that that realm before and then when you actually get there by pushing your limits and pushing past it it opens up a world of opportunity for you so i just say prove me wrong and i know everyone can and i know everyone will
2: There you go. Beautiful. Well, now we can put everything over. Tell people where they can find you, where they can find the show, and where they can connect with Don Batali.
3: Yes. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Best place to find the podcast is nothingtoprovepodcast.com. We have all our episodes up there. We're also on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and pretty much, I think, almost every other podcast platform out there. Um, I'm not really a technical guy, so I don't know how that <laughs> works. Um, but we, I, uh, we also I, – I have a VIP show, uh, like a premium show that you can pay a subscription for, um, where I do talk specifically wrestling-related items only on that show. It's, a, it's an additional podcast that I release every week. It's an hour long where we just talk wrestling stuff, where I give my insight on some of the stuff that's happened in, in the wrestling world or experiences of my own from the past week which we're getting a lot of great feedback about all the, the VIP members really are enjoying that quite a bit. Um, so we, we have fun on that every single day or every single week. Uh, and you can do that by visiting patreon.com and just search nothing to And there you can find out how to become one of our VIP listeners. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Dom, E L bomb. Uh, that's Spanish for Dom, the bomb for those of you that don't know Spanish. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on nothing um, at, nothing to prove podcast. Or I'm sorry. At NTP podcast, I should say. Um, yeah, I'm on, we're on Facebook too. You know, Just search Dom Vitale or nothing to prove podcast. We're over there. Instagram, Dom El bomb over there too. And, uh, yeah, man, just keep spreading the word. That's all I'm doing. And, uh, if you want to, if you want to make your life a little bit better, join our nothing to prove family, listen every Monday for free and, uh, and, you know, take what we give you and, and apply it to life and just watch you as you reap the benefits.
2: There we go. I love it, Dom. I, f- again, you know, I talk about full transparency. I, Dom was, was able to come on last minute when, when somebody canceled, but I'm a believer in things happening for a reason. I'm sure that someone listened to this show and heard what you're saying and needed to, whether they're in the world of wrestling or whether they're out of the world of wrestling. They needed to hear it. You gave a lot of time to everybody today, and, and I thank you for that. I thank you for coming on, and I, just, I thank you for, for being you because that's the best you can be, and, and we appreciate it.
3: Yeah, and Greg, I just want to let you know, man, um, it's my pleasure to to help you out in any way I can because uh, there, there's, there, there wasn't many, but there, you were one of those guys that always believed in me and my ability since day one. Um, so whatever I can do to ever help you out, you know I'm down for that.
2: It's funny, we already got to the part where we say goodbye. I want to tell a quick Dom story just because <laughs> it, it's, it's you know I, I want to. Um, and this actually goes back before Dom was this persona in the ring, but Dom's always been the same person. Um, or at least it, it's always been in there. I was a, a figurehead for what was called Impact Zone Wrestling back then, and, 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 and the booker was never there, and he gave the book to somebody else, and I won't name names because I'm friends with all these people, and, and I did a lot of the booking kind of secretly, and, and we had like this, this stable, and we were under the guise of the National Wrestling Alliance, and that didn't go over too well because it pissed off the NWA people at the time, and, and the plan was to eventually move to, to a faction or a stable called the DeMarco Family, and, and it never happened because that's just the way things go sometimes. And, and Dom was cutting a promo. And, and, and Dom cuts his whole promo, does his thing. And at the end, he's like, you know, because that's how things are in the DeMarco family. And I didn't know he was going to say it because I'm, <laughs> you know, there. And it's just the biggest smile on my face because it's like, you know, he um, was probably one of the few people that actually wanted that to happen. And, and it's just, you know, it's, 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 we're in a world and we're in a business where you can get things over and you can do things when you do them the right way and when you're smart about it. And that's who Dom is. And and I got more stories, too, and we'll save them for future times. But that right there, that moment, is one of the reasons why I will always stick with, with Dom Vitali Because he's always, you just, you meet, you know, you might meet ten people and walk away from a conversation realizing there's truly something different about one of them. And that's that's Dom. Dom's the one who there's truly something different and truly something special about. And his goal is to bring that something special out of the other nine people you just met. So, that's why I love Dom so much. And that's why, you know, I would interview Dom every week if I could. I
3: appreciate that, Greg. That means a lot, man, coming from you. And uh, likewise, you're a stand up guy. Uh, and you've always been up front. And I appreciate that. And I, like I said, I appreciate the continued support and believing in, believing in me and my ability.
2: Always, always 100%. Dom, thank you. We will do this again soon. And uh, we love you and appreciate you, man.
3: Likewise, you guys, thank you both for, or all three of you guys, for letting me come on your platform.